me. Happy Resurrection Sunday. We're gathered here in the sanctuary. We're praising the Lord. We're lifting him up. We're excited that you're with us through Facebook Live. Let's go ahead and get started. This is Amazing Grace. Breaks the power of sin and darkness, whose love is mighty and so much stronger. The King of glory, the King above all kings, who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. Good morning, church family. Pastor Frank here again, and I have the privilege of reading some verses from the Easter story. I'll be reading out of Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. 
The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb the entrance sealed by heavy stone Messiah
you guys quit. You're quick today. I, I thought uh, I thought we were going to sing a little more, and I was I was enjoying it. Thanks, Emily. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Pastor Frank and and Pastor John. I know many of you enjoyed the uh, the early morning service this morning with Pastor John and uh, over in the chapel, and that was a wonderful time. You know, if you turn on Fox News at any time, but especially now or CNN. And watch the statistics from the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19. You'll see that thousands of, of people worldwide, even in our own country, are, are dying. Much like Job, we must ask the question, if a man die, shall he live again? Job is easily seen as the Old Testament man of sorrows, and the dearest things he possessed in life were, were suddenly taken away from him. I was, I was really caught watching uh, some of the news reports as well as some of the, the things that our president was saying about his, his condolences as well as his heart for the people who uh, seemingly were dying alone. And, and many, of these, uh, many of these workers in the hospital right now, uh, many of them, uh, we look upon them as great heroes and Many of them said that, that some of the saddest things that they are seeing right now are people who are by themselves or having to say goodbye uh, by way of telephone. Well, Job is a great example for us today. Uh, one day Job was healthy and the next day Job suffered miserably and his, his wealth vanished. His children were tragically killed and when health was gone and wealth was gone and children were gone, his friends began to accuse him and then his wife taunts him and even God seemed to desert him. The devil looked like he was winning the fight over Job and death ruling as the king of terrors pushed Job against a hopeless wall and during that extreme moment, Job was forced to grapple with what I believe to be life's deepest mysteries, suffering, sin, and death. As we make our way toward an answer to this question this morning on Easter Sunday morning, I want us to look at what the scripture says in the book of Job chapter 14, begin in, in the reading of verse 7. For there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. But a man dies and is laid low, man breathes his last, and where is he? As waters fall from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up, so a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no more, he will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until the wrath be past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service I would wait till my renewal should come. Most of us if we're honest, are like Job. We tend to live wholly on the level of the physical. When stripped of all the earthly supports, we must still face the never-ending never mysteries. There's little doubt exists that the greatest of these perplexing mysteries concerns life after death. 
Job sums it up in this question perhaps better than any other that I know. If a man die, if a woman die, shall he, shall she live again? And there are three factors on this Easter Sunday morning that we follow from Job's question. Number one, if you will note the fact, and it's a very simple fact, it's the fact of death. We are immediately confronted with death as a fact as we encounter that little conjunction, if. We stand assured there isn't the slightest doubt about death's reality expressed in that if. A quick trip to the emergency room where life is suddenly torn away uh, from the crushed bodies will validate death's reality. Or you go to a battlefield where soldiers have fallen under the storm of gunfire. You ask then, is death real? Take a, take a trip to the nursing, nursing home where oftentimes we find folks who, who are just in pain and, and, and they are hurting. Do people die? And the answer is obvious. Death is a fact of life. Moreover, death is not a respecter of persons. Death strikes young and old, rich and poor alike. The young may die and the old must die. Someone has said that life is like a game of chess. You have kings and knights and pawns. In the end, they all go in the same box. So it is with death. Not only may we know death is a fact from our own experience, but we also know that death is a fact of life because the Bible teaches it. It is appointed unto man wants to die. The day you were born, the day I was born, you begin to die. Longfellow said this, our hearts like muffled drums are beating funeral marches to the grave. The psalmist wrote in perhaps the most famous psalm of all, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, picturing death as a valley through which we must journey, a valley which inevitably gets narrower and narrower and the journey therefore is one within a shadow with but one step between you and death human experience universally verifies death god warned adam and eve that on the day they ate of the forbidden fruit they would surely die the apostle paul made it crystal clear when he said the wages of sin is death but second we notice the fear of death. Death is never a, a friend. In fact, Scripture dubs death the enemy. The last enemy, it says in 1 Corinthians, that shall be destroyed is death. Because of this, we instinctively fear death. I was on a plane coming back uh, from Jamaica many, many years ago, and the plane suddenly dropped 10,000 feet in a, in a moment, in an instance, everyone was crying out and, and, and seemingly crying for their lives. And yet it, it seemed like in that short period of time, as that plane descended very rapidly, everyone suddenly believed in God when before they were just going about their business. Why was that? Because we fear death. We instinctively do. Men fear death as, as children fear to go into the dark. Perhaps comedian Woody Allen summed it up best about the fear of death when he said, it's not that I'm afraid of dying, I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> we simply cannot deny the innate fear of death we as humans possess. But there's a third fact about death that I want to bring to your attention this morning, and that is it's final. 
death's finality. We try to disguise it. Our, our customary ways include fancy caskets and grave flowers, not to mention embalming the nicely dressed body before we take it to a place in the earth. I mentioned earlier that God told Adam the day that he ate of the forbidden fruit that he would die. And then beginning in the next chapter of the book of Genesis, Cain arose and slew his brother Abel. And in chapter 5, it looks like one is walking through a morgue. No less than eight times the funeral bell rings and he died and he died and he died. For Job, the finality of death was no less real. He likened life to a flower cut down and a shadow fleeting away. Something is awesomely final about death. It is similar to a circle. There is no round, rounder, or roundest. Nor is there dead, deader, or deadest. No wonder we find ourselves always resisting that finality, the finality of death. But then I look and I read what Job expresses and there is this appealing reality of desire because he says these words, shall he live again? An insatiable craving exists in our hearts to live on after death. We see this especially when we lose loved ones. We ask ourselves, will I, will I ever see them again? Job reaches out to nature to seek some encouragement and he says, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. During the, the winter months, the stump lies dormant. However, when spring comes, we know that the buds sprout and life comes out of death. Job see, sees and seems to envy this tree. How often we find ourselves remaining discontent with what we have, especially with what our life has become. We feel empty and lacking any real hope for the future. Job wonders if a tree can spring back to life, can a man? And the answer to Job's question went unanswered for centuries. The Old Testament man of sorrows, Job, had to wait for the New Testament man of sorrows to answer his question. Listen this morning on this Easter Sunday morning to Jesus as he specifically answers Job. I and the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. In Jesus' answer, we find a twofold response to Job. First, the answer is summed up in a person. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The words spoken to Martha were not only the time were, were not the only time that Jesus linked himself with the resurrection earlier in John's gospel Jesus had told the religious leaders of his day concerning the life beyond the tomb he said destroy this temple and in 3 days I will raise it up not even knowing what they were doing the Jewish leaders accepted the challenge that Jesus gave them. They killed him. They buried him. They barricaded his grave. And they posted 
a guard. Yet three days later, the bars of death were destroyed and Jesus walked out of the tomb, a living, resurrected Lord. Recall with me the death sentence placed upon sinful man in the Garden of Eden. Job was grieving such a sentence by asking his his questions. Job uh, was saying, can a man live again? And Jesus answers Job definitively. He was dead, yet now he remains alive forevermore. The answer to death's mystery begins not with medicine, but with a man. And his name is Jesus Christ. But secondly, the answer to death is secured then by a promise. Listen to the words once again of our Lord. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. When Adam died, the parade of death began. When Jesus arose, the parade of life began. Paul says it well. That if you will confess with, the, with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The promise of life, this promise of life, through Jesus Christ, awaits all those who believe. But then I look at verse 14 and I see the remainder of that verse. And I think about this thrilling reality of deliverance that Job discovered. Job's faith begins to take root. And it begins to sprout. And then it begins to arise, giving him hope. He finally utters his definite trust in God when he says, For I know that my Redeemer lives and that he shall stand at the latter day. Upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Here is one of the most explicit passages in the Old Testament, and we find two glimpses of the end time. First, Job anticipates the coming of the Savior. He says this I know, not I think. But he says, I know my Redeemer lives. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he came for the purpose of dying. His death would pay for our deliverance from sin's penalty. And when he comes the second time, he is coming to deliver us from sin's power and sin's presence. Man, what a joy to anticipate. But then Paul writes that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The shout will wake the dead. I I like that because the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I love what the old African-American preacher said. He's going to toot and I'm going to scoot. What a victory awaits Jesus In his second appearing. But then secondly the words of Job. Uttered anticipate the raising of the saints. As we noted Paul makes it clear that the people of God will be raised from the dead. With now glorified bodies. Bodies delivered from disease and decay and death. And the apostle further says we shall all be changed. That's the change about which Job spoke. 
the resurrection will solve life's deepest mysteries. The reality of sin, the centrality of death, and the mystery of suffering will find their answer in the resurrection from the dead. First Bradenton, all of you who are listening to this this morning, please don't miss this. Jesus Christ is your and my only hope of living again. In Adam, the Bible says all die, but in Christ, all shall be made alive. If you die without him, you will never live with him. It's all over. If you have never experienced new life in Jesus Christ, if you have never trusted him to save you from your sin and to give you heaven when you die, you need to make it right with God now. Turn to him. Trust him. He will save you. His love never fails. As I was thinking about this message in this day, this is an unusual, obviously, Easter Sunday morning. Don't know in my 62 years that I've ever had an Easter Sunday morning quite like this one. But I can tell you this about this Easter. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus was not caught off guard. He is not nervous during this this worldwide pandemic. But he is trying to get us to listen, I really believe. I was out riding my bike this week and I was was doing a a little track that I I do from my house out to River Road and back. It's about 10 miles. And and I, I, I drove by the Christ United Methodist Church, and they have a neon sign out there. And, and oftentimes, you know, as, as, as you go by church signs, they're, they're typically about all the same. But on this particular day, that sign said this, has God got your attention yet? And I noticed it both going and coming back home. And then as I was out in the yard looking around and and doing some things out there and just trying to stay busy, one of my neighbors was walking her dog and she said, have you, we we got to talking about other things, but she mentioned the sign. She said, I saw that sign. I don't think God has anything to do with all of this. And I said, oh, I, I want you to understand, but God is going to use this and God is going to speak to us. And yes, God is trying to get our attention. You see, these are great days in which we can share with those around us, those that we socially stay connected by Facebook or by whatever means we connect right now to share with those folks that you desperately need a Savior. So if you're watching this right now on this Easter Sunday morning, during the midst of all of this virus, today the Bible says that you need a Savior because you're a sinner. I love the book of Romans because it, it, it gives us great stability when we think about God's love. And I love this particular passage. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, 
who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or or danger or sword or virus? That was my ad. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Today, the answer to Job's question, shall we live again? Oh, absolutely. We shall live again. For I know that my Redeemer lives. This past week, again, I, I think many times we, we uh, during these days, we have a lot of uh, what I call the extra time. And, and, and I was thinking about I was thinking about my father and I was thinking about an old preacher by the name of Manly Beasley, who is both of those men are in heaven. But I was thinking about one of the last times that I heard my father preach uh, in person and he preached a message from this particular passage. I know that my Redeemer lives. I pray today that as you have Uh, tuned in and watched this, that you know, there is no doubt about it, that you know that Christ lives in you and that you would willingly and, and very, very passionately share your relationship with those around about you. People need to hear during these days about hope and the only true hope and the real hope that we have in Christ Jesus. I remember and recall seeing my father uh, many Many years now ago, standing there, an old man at this time, with his arm outstretched, with his fists raised, saying, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he was so anticipating the coming of Christ, the rapture of Christ, and Christ rapturing his church. One of these days, that grave in West Frankfort, Illinois, will burst open and my father will be raised and my mother and they will be raised and they will have glorified bodies you say pastor you know that i do as job came to find out i know that my redeemer lives i pray today he lives in you i pray today that you would know that beyond a shadow of a doubt let's pray father i thank you now that we can know beyond any certainty we can know with all certainty that you live, that you live in our hearts. And I pray now, Father, as we share together, as we sing, I pray that, Lord, there would be those even right now who would just simply bow their heads and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I am desperately in need of a Savior. I come to you. I respond to you. I need you, Lord. Come into my life. Save me. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin. And I ask you to come into my life. Lord, for those of us who know you, help us to rejoice on this Easter Sunday. And, but every Sunday, every day, Lord, help us to sing, I know that my Redeemer lives. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take just a moment and sing that hymn uh, that reflects upon the cross of Christ and what he did for us and, and rising again. Let's sing at the cross. Thank you. 
Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But crops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Let's pray real quick before we have uh, a couple more announcements. Father, thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving your Son uh, to us in this way, Father, that we might know you and have restored relationship with you, that we may have uh, surety of heaven and a surety of our salvation. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for uh, the resurrection today, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you again for tuning in and worshiping with us today for our Easter service. I want to remind you of a couple of things. Noon in Place will continue tomorrow and be in place every weekday this week at noon. That's our prayer moment that we're having here on Facebook Live, so I encourage you to participate in that. I want to ask Doug to come back in for a second. We are encouraging our life groups, our existing life groups, to use digital platforms to meet, and several of you are doing that. And finding your way to do that on whichever platform works best for your group. And Doug is going to start a group on Zoom, so tell us about that. Yeah, we're going to start a, a midweek Bible study. It's really kind of, it's going to be Thursdays, uh, looking to have that at about 6 p.m. I'll put out a notification this week. We're going to use the platform Zoom. Uh, many of you may not know what that is, but some of you may be already on that. It's a great platform. It's super e easy to use, and I'm going to put out some instructions on how you can download the app and I'll send you an invite via email. You click on the invite and you'll be right in the meeting with us. And uh, we'll do that uh, just to, as a good time to focus together on God's Word during the midweek. And if you don't know how to get a hold of him, his email is Doug at firstbradenton.com. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Let's have a closing word of prayer and finish our celebration today. Lord, we thank you that death is not final. Because of what Jesus accomplished for us, it does not have to be that way in our own hearts, and our own minds, and our own bodies. So the hope that we have is alive, and it awaits all of us as believers. We thank you for that. I pray for those who have viewed this today. I pray that they, throughout the rest of this day, continue to look to you and thank you and worship you for all you've done for us. 
We lift your name today. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.